carnivorous couch Shit happens once a week It swallows us for two hours when we try to sleep It forces us to watch a film about which we then speak Carnivorous couch With Brady and Rob So is this this is the real thing? Right? Yeah, this it's is actually it's recording and periscoping, and we're all good. Okay. okay. Sorry, little nuts and bolts. I mean, this is new to me. Yeah, no, no. We are podcasting and periscoping simultaneously. We are very into the future tech. Simulcasting. So we <laughs> this week we did Grizzly Man, Werner Herzog's 2004 documentary. Uh, for those of you not familiar with Herzog, he is a member of the new wave German school of filmmaking that came up in the 70s. Uh, and he's a very entertaining but morbid fellow who is very uh, taken in both his fictional and non-fictional work with obsessives who <laughs> follow very weird idiosyncratic paths, sometimes to their own deaths. And that is certainly the case with our subject in Carnivorous Couch's first documentary, Grizzly Man. Oh. Uh, that subject is Timothy Treadwell, a man, failed actor, former alcoholic from Los Angeles, who turned his life around, got a new lease on life by deciding to become uh, something of a do-it-yourself bear biologist. He spent 13 summers in the Alaskan wilderness uh, getting very, very close to bears, uh, closer than you probably legally or ethically should. Yeah, you don't really want to be that close to a bear. And that's, that message is in the movie because he was eventually eaten by one. And so this is uh, Herzog's attempt to kind of understand the psyche of Treadwell, to cast light as this is a documentary on how it happened on what he did before he was eaten and so yeah it we normally do linear stories but the way this plot progresses isn't strictly linear it's more in some ways it's almost a poetic autopsy into kind of what made this man tick what drove him to go out there and pursue a very reckless course of action yeah um, i mean it's as much as like a uh, a criticism of his life and how he chooses to comport himself as it is a documentary of it. Yeah, it's, it's part and part celebration, part autopsy. What we learn is that he spent 13 years doing this and uh, you know, the, when he was killed in 2001, I want to say, uh, his girlfriend at the time was also with him. And so, yeah, we basically learn that he... He had some problems. He was an alcoholic. He turned his life around. And, but what it's really taken with in a lot of ways is sort of this idea of crossing the line between the human world and the natural world. And Timothy Treadwell had this desire to almost become a bear, we learn. Uh, what else do we learn, Rob? We learn that uh, he started a foundation called Grizzly People. He was that a we did selfless learn. guy. He taught children for free. Uh, he was very, if nothing else, committed to this cause of protecting grizzly bears. But then Herzog is quick to point out to us that, well, there might have been a, a bit of delusions of grandeur with that because mm -hmm. he was operating within the protection of a national wildlife refuge. Uh, so you were sort of looking at a very flawed, tragic figure who I think inarguably pursued a path to his own destruction but also finding moments of, of great poetry and beauty and poignance uh, within. And uh, this is very characteristic of a Werner Herzog movie. So, uh, yeah, well, I guess 
you know, yeah, this is so weird to do a plot of a documentary like this. I think... But it deserves one because yeah, it, does it does have a story. Yeah, why don't you chime in a little bit with it, Tess? Because well, I think you definitely have some things to say about this. I mean, of the plot of the story? Uh, well, my brother once... when I uh, The first time I saw it, I said, Hey, Andrew, have you seen Grizzly Man? And he said, Yeah, the story of a closeted gay man who fulfilled his wish to be eaten by a bear. <laughs> but that sounds like something that that Andrew would say. However, I don't necessarily agree with that. But it seems like kind of that. I mean, he may or may not be a closeted gay man. We don't know that for sure. I think that it's hinted at a little bit in some of the footage that you see. But he definitely was a guy that wanted to get eaten by a bear. And and you de- you get a lot of him just like kind of like talking up the idea that these bears could ri- literally rip his head off. Like, he he was playing with death the entire time, just, like, really wanted to get up. And he wanted to be friends with the bears, but also he's like, they could rip me in two. They, they, could, they could maul me. They could decapitate me. Like, he, the way he talks about what these bears could do to him is, like, so intense. Whoa, it's slightly off, huh? Uh, well, it's always slightly delayed. Oh, yeah, okay. Everybody else, right? Yeah. No, uh, I know, it's... Uh, yeah, no, and there's, yeah, because there's a bit of what's interesting is almost like a, a Faustian bargain he makes with himself. Uh, we learn throughout the film that at one point he was on the verge of drinking himself to death. Yeah. You know, his alcoholism became so rampant. And having this new focus, this uh, passion for nature, this desire to go out and live with the bears, in a sense saved him from those demons. And yet, kind of, he kind of delivered himself into the hands of a, an entirely different <coughs> sort of demon. And in that way, I don't know if I'd go as far as you, Tess, as saying that he wanted to be eaten by a bear, but the same fixation with uh, with the morbid and with destruction that Herzog is so fascinated with, I think there was a, a kernel of that inside of Treadwell mm-hmm. that was driving him to, to pursue this end that didn't end well for him. Yeah, Rob is busy trying to be like a, a, a producer, so you guys should keep talking. <laughs> Okay, uh, so what what else plot wise? To share so people can get oh, in. I see. Anyway, uh, yeah, go on. Yeah, I mean it's it's really it's a, a weird thing to summarize plot wise because it's a lot about uh, kind of poetically uncovering these details, meeting the people who were central in Treadwell's life. We spend time with a, a very eccentric coroner who kind of gives this this grand soliloquy of you know what he learned when he tried to do the autopsy. And it's both, it's both chilling, and, but also kind of beautiful. Uh, yeah, and it's a lot about just odd characters. Uh, Herzog almost has this Fellini-esque sense for bizarre, like almost like grotesque in how big they are people. Uh, and, he, and that's what he's interested in more than anything. He even goes so far as to point it out in this movie, is it's not an animal documentary. It's kind of a, an exploration into the weird contours of a human psyche. In this case, Timothy Treadwell, and so it makes sense that he also populates his film with some other very uh, bizarre people. I, a lot of that we were talking about has to do with the fact that Treadwell hung his shingle in Los Angeles, was a theatrical type. Uh, you know, even in the context of being a grizzly man, he also wanted to make a TV show out of this footage. So I think he surrounded himself with very ostentatious people, and so we get people who are very uh, larger than life. Throughout, whether it's an actor 
a nature <laughs> a naturalist or a coroner. Well, the coroner, though, I mean, he didn't, know. yeah, that, that's, that's just, just a, happenstance. That, yeah, but I feel like, and I was saying this earlier, is that I feel like to be a coroner, to decide that that's what you want to do, you have to be kind of like an eccentric person. And you you have to want to be around this death all the time and be kind of fascinated by it. And this guy really is a character and I don't know, I've never met any coroners, but I imagine he's kind of like this archetype of what one would be. And it's very interesting to me to see this guy yeah, like, we... in the movie talking about death and being like, so he's, he's humbled by it, but he's also fascinated and like he has a respect for it, but he's also really comfortable with it. Well, yeah, so, you know, yeah, it's, it's interesting, this, this guy, this actual human being yeah, who's kind guy, of a character this guy, this guy e. he well he provides a very good insight which is both obvious and yet you know when you think about it it's like wow uh, which is just the fact that like his girlfriend died by his side fighting off the bear and so Herzog uh, through these people and through these accounts has a very good way of kind of exploring every nook and cranny of the story and the psychological ramifications and so what we get from that corner is a sense of, like, you know that she died fighting with a bear, but, like, think about it. She could have run away. Instead, she was literally whacking a bear with a frying pan, watching her lover die until she herself was killed. And so it's, yeah, the film just has a very yeah. interesting way at coming at this basic material from very interesting angles. And I, that's why I say autopsy. That maybe makes it sound more morbid. Uh, and it is a film about death, but maybe it makes it sound more morbid than it actually is in some ways, because it's more a very soulful exploration of the entire, this entire kind of world, and what that world is. I, I think you're getting into what what's it all about. That's well, a later... it's a documentary. It's so yeah, hard but that's to talk la- about. Yeah, okay, but I think Okay, we, so we know what happened. We know what happened. A closeted gay man lived out his dream of being eaten by a bear. me, man. I'm on a, I'm on a blind tear. Okay. Yeah, no, but we're that's what that. it's that's out. Later. That's yeah. what it's a, that's what that's what happened in the story. That's what happened. But okay, if there's so this isn't so much plotty as it evolves in bits and pieces, but I will say that uh, toward the end we get a good stretch of actual plot going forward to his death. And what we find out is that that last summer he had already driven to the Alaskan airport to go home <coughs> and kind of gotten into this encounter with an airport bureaucrat. And, you know, symbolically almost, it was a moment of facing the human world he would be going back to. And that's what eventually drove him back to the site of his death was this desire to escape from that world. And so at that point, he uh, they, ended up in the grisly maze <coughs> very late in the summer. Yeah, they even than, say he like stayed a lot later than he normally does because he just didn't want to go back or whatever. Yeah, and as a result, uh, because of the way hibernation works, any bears remaining at that point are the ones that still haven't eaten enough to be able to go hibernate. And so you're dealing with ever more dangerous bears the later you stay <coughs> uh, going into the And he fall must have months. known that. Like it's he ridiculous. It's ridiculous that he stayed and then what without having a death wish. Then, um, th- then he was eaten a few by, days and later. Also, by they they make a point to point out that like as crazy as what he was doing was, the bear that ate him was one that he didn't know as well that had an antagonistic relationship with him when he did meet it, 
and like it wasn't a familiar friend bear it was like a separate other bear that that didn't like him right but then that's like that part is interesting because it comes from his friend so it almost comes off as defensive of like well, yeah, he got it's eaten also, by a bear, but that bear was an asshole. Well, it's also true, um, because he, you, uh, if you, I mean, it may, it may or may not be true, I suppose, but, like, it seems like a logical assumption to make is, like, this, this bear was not one that was as familiar with him as some of the other bears. Right, but then I think that almost points to the folly of, of him even doing this in the first place, is just the assumption that he would even be known by nature, it's, and, and we'll get into that in what's it all about, but this idea of uh, of kind of the need to <laughs> anthropomorphize things, to put a human face on on very wild surroundings, is kind of a lot of what this film is taken with. Yeah. Okay, so should we do our next segment that we call yeah, like? I think hey we know what I think we know. It's about a closeted gay man that lived out his dream of being eaten by a bear. We've gotten that. Okay, who who's going first? Hey, 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 how do we like it? Uh, I'll go ahead and go first, because okay. I'll probably have the least favorable version of this. Um, what I'm going to say... You might want to speak into the speak mic. Speak into the mic. Very well be slightly contentious. Now, um, um... This movie was all right. I mean, like, it didn't really hold my attention. Uh, the first 45 minutes were good, but then I was just kind of bored. But, that's, but, you then, but you have to pay attention to it, though, even if it doesn't hold your attention. Yes, and I, I, I did my best and uh, was kind of waiting for it to be over. Well, so what were your issues? I mean, I, I just kind of got it, like, uh, the first, you know, 15 minutes and... Then after that, I just wanted it to be over because I didn't feel like it, it was saying much. Yeah, I didn't feel like it was saying much it's more. It's I mean, I, I, it, uh, okay, fine, I get it. Beautiful shots, this dude who's a guy, and this thing. It's not very interesting to me, I guess. So, uh, good C plus, B minus. Wow. Okay. Um, I love this movie. Um, and uh, watching it again, I'd seen it several years ago, um, probably about four or five years ago now, and a lot of it I didn't remember. Like, there's so much going on in this movie that it did deserve a rewatch. Um, I love Werner Herzog. I think that his approach to storytelling is incredibly interesting, and as much he as much as he likes to think of himself as a pessimist, I think he really is an optimist. Um, he he just has a lot of of hope and uh, looks at looks at life with kind of like wide open eyes. Is uh, very capable of looking at the beauty in things and to to say to to self-describe himself as like you know seeing I, I, how does he how does he describe himself like he he, he um, pits himself against treadwell yeah he because essentially he pits himself uh against treadwell's more kind of new age dippiness and it's having a very optimistic perspective almost to the point of uh, kind of what we were saying about uh, I'm sorry to even interject in your point, but 
uh, I'll make this quick, kind of what we were saying about anthropomorphizing mm -hmm. and trying to put poetic spins on things that maybe don't fit into those parameters. Treadwell wanted to view nature, because nature is beautiful, in this context of it being very poetic and yeah, kind of just... Yeah, perfectly formed. And, uh, you know, the every violence, now and then you, you know, get reminders that nature is, is a bit cruel. It's brutal. Uh, like, you know, we learned that male bears will kill baby cubs so that they can have sex with the females quicker because the lactation will stop. And so Herzog's response is to say, well, I think the underlying equation of the universe isn't chaos. Know, harmony. It's hostility, chaos, and murder. Exactly. So, like, and, and I think that he sees that, but I think he also sees, like, a deep spiritualness in people and, um, you know, wants to believe that... Uh, people have kind of like a calling to a higher power, interested in that kind of, of spiritualism. And he sees that in Tim Treadwell, I'm sure. Um, and so I think like as much as he wants to believe that, this is the perfect subject for him. Um, it's incredible to watch the way that he puts his, his footage together, appreciates him as an artist, um, is, you know, quick relatively quick to point out that he uh, built like builds these shots that, he, and when I first saw it, I remember remarking to Brady that, oh my gosh, this shot is so beautiful. You wouldn't think this would be found footage. And Brady goes, hang on, give it a second. And then it comes out that, oh my goodness, he would set up these shots very perfectly and redo them uh, ad, ad infinitum, like until he got it exactly well, the I mean, way that he wants. What else you got wants. to do when you're sitting in the, um, in the wilderness? Like yeah, that. and he would talk to the camera very confessionally, also, like it was a person that was there with him, which sort of makes sense why eventually he wanted to bring people there with him, even though they weren't allowed in the movie at all. Um, but uh, yeah, no, I love this movie. I think uh, it's a, it's a great piece for Herzog to 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 deal with. I'm, I'm glad he tackled it. Um, I, I like him as a as a character, actually. Um, I was going to say as a person, and I was... I think he'd be okay with me calling him a character. I'm not really sure, but, you know, Werner Herzog. Um, Herzog would probably be okay with you yeah, calling, him, calling a him a character. Yeah, calling him a character. No, no, I'm not, and I'm not calling Tim Treadwell, Treadwell a character. Treadwell might, but, like, I'd have to be very cautious about the way that I said it. <laughs> well, and there's a reason for that. Like, a, a brief interjection, uh, Herzog has a very controversial view about documentaries, which is that he, uh, he has this idea that the most important thing is kind of the ecstatic truth that comes out. So if something comes off a bit staged or has to be kind of forced, that's okay with him as long as the epiphany that it, that it engenders right. is, uh, is one of actual truth. And so Ooh, that's so more important scary. than, you know, and that's why Rob and Tess and I were talking in the backyard. There's, there's a little bit of an unreality to some of these interviews, yeah. particularly because some of them are actors, probably excited to get to speak on camera. Actor friends that he knew, not like actors that he hired, like actual friends of Tim yeah, Treadwell friends. who were probably also actors who were excited to be able to tell their story and, you know, speak about this in a way that that's poetic and and herzog most assuredly like yeah i mean uh, encouraged feeling this, of that. that that he he encouraged them to tell theatrical interesting poetic stories about this person so yeah right, so what, what grade do you give it 
Um, I give it an A, easy A. Okay, so so now it's my turn. Alright, I I love by the this way, movie. By the way, Tess, you weren't here last week, but I think I gave my first A in the history of Carnivorous Couch. What were you watching? Um, oh, right, right. Uh, it Follows. It Follows. Oh, nice. Wow. Yeah, which you watched with us, but you were sleepy. Yeah, I was, I was sick. Um. Sick and sleepy. No, okay, um, I love this movie. This movie, for me, is in contention for, honestly, finest documentary ever made. Um, and I, I have to disagree with Rob, but we were talking earlier in the backyard... And Rob, you burst Wait, that. You disagree with me that it that didn't interest me. No, I don't disagree with that. <laughs> but I disagree. I believe that it, it disinterested. I well, because here's the thing, you were coming at it from this angle of well, it's it's just another documentary composed of archival footage in which we try to get to know a person, and, and yes, that's no, I said it wasn't that. Uh, well, wait. When we were talking in the backyard off mic. Uh, okay, why well, didn't said, you say? I said it was different than a movie. Uh, or a documentary composed of archival footage and that there was the kind of thing that made me feel uncomfortable where it seemed like some of the interviews or some of the ways that people were reacting were disingenuous or contrived. Oh, okay. I don't believe they're disingenuous, but I do believe that it's theatrical. I'm just repeating what I said in the backyard when we were off mic. No, yeah, and I agree. They are staged because all interviews are. In a sense, I think if we could ask Herzog, what he might say is that Anytime you see an interview, you should be wary that that's an unreality. Uh, t- this is where time has been taken to get a person to stand up and essentially audition their side of a story. Mm-hmm. Uh, so to even pretend like interviews are ever real is a bit of uh, a fiction. A- and this movie is very, very in love with that line between between fiction and, and actors. And, uh, you know, I think Herzog kind of is an actor himself in a lot of ways. So... Uh, so anyway, I I love this movie, and all I'd say is, I I want to well, throw before on. I forget, I want to throw out a brief point on that Herzog is an actor himself in many ways. Is that that moment, and it's it's one of the few times you actually see Herzog in the frame is when he's listening to the, the audio. audio, and he instead, and this is this struck me instead of pulling off the headphones, he says. Can you please turn it off? Right. He like makes her turn it off, and that was like a really theatrical moment to me because, I mean, maybe it could have been more theatrical if he just ripped the headphones off his head and said, "I can't listen to this anymore," and it would have it would have ended the suffering quicker on his end to just take off the headphones, but instead he keeps listening and he says, "Can you please turn it off?" and she, very. Theatrically, I might I might argue, you know, clicks it off, and then he very slowly removes, you know, the headphones. And it's one of the only times you see him in in the actual movie. And I w- I just wanted to when you say no, like he's perfect. a very theatrical person himself, I wanted to comment on that before I forgot that well, yeah, this okay. is a perfect example of what you're saying is like that it that was very actorly and very script like. Right. Yeah. No. Absolutely. And you know, in that moment, th- thank you for bringing it up because that. That leads me to another thing that I think is really good about this movie, which is in terms of studying someone's demise, it's maybe like the most pure form of voyeurism I've ever seen. And, you know, it toes up to that line. It's got this fascination with death that it comes so close to the line of voyeurism that it even lets us watch its creator become a voyeur into a moment of death. 
And yet it doesn't do any of that in a t- distasteful or disrespectful way. I agree. It's all taken with the spirit of, of wanting to know, but also being horrified. And it's, so it's, it's really a kind of, well, I, I don't want to talk about what it's about because that's an entirely different segment, but it really is kind of peeking over this precipice of death and wondering about it the same way that it's kind of trying to peek into the psyche of its main character. Anyway, I, I love this movie. Uh, I have to take exception with Rob's idea that uh, what we learn in the first 15 minutes is anything like where this movie goes. Th- this movie well, no, big I watched plot. the whole movie. I just wasn't very interested. That's all I'm saying. Well, no, After but I'm, 15 minutes, I wasn't that interested anymore. Okay, well, because it, it sounded like you said that within the first 15 minutes, you knew all there was to know. No, I just he didn't, didn't care that. to know anymore. Okay, you didn't care to know. Um, <laughs> because, yeah, well, well now that so I've put I'm it out there, spot, let yeah. me just say one of this movie's greatest qualities is how unexpected it is. The way it kind of spins is just... It really is kind of this eddy around this epicenter, which is the death of, of a very <laughs> proud, kind of doomed figure. And so I, I really love that about it, where you're not kind of just coming to this straight uh, narrative sense, linear sense. It's more about starting at kind of the more honest, like healthy, happy stuff, getting to know mm-hmm. the man. But the more you go, and, and Herzog is smart about this, the less footage remains. Because all we have, you know, other than Herzog's interviews and asides, what we really have is this finite thing, and it's all we'll have of Treadwell, this finite, you know, 100 hours of footage. And as we circle more and run out more, all we have left to focus on is kind of the more uh, eerie, uh, obsessed elements. And so it is kind of, it's almost, it's the film Herzog was born to make, Mm -hmm. this very methodical eddy into obsession uh, leading with death, which is maybe one of the most hey, maddening like obsessions you can have. Yeah, hey man, Can't I'm not fucking done yet. yet? <laughs> yeah, no, I, maybe. <laughs> You've been going on for a while. All right, well. An A. A, I give it an A. It's it's an A plus. It's it A plus. Is maybe the best documentary ever made. All right. It it gets to be in that conversation. Is is Periscope still on? Yeah. Oh. You put it in the background on the screen. Yeah, there's anyway. no need to see it. I know, we don't it's really need to see. It's easier for me to see. monitor the audio. Yeah, the I'm, I'm kind of glad it's gone. Then I'm not like, eh. Yeah, especially yeah. like my little squirrel's nest of an hairdo here. I don't have to deal with uh, looking at it. Uh, only the viewers do. So uh, okay. are we moving on to the, uh, is this that other yeah. thing? We don't have a drop for what's it all about. But what's it what I, what all I, about? But what I really need to do is uh, I need to pee. <laughs> okay. So uh, we'll, we'll take a little break and just leave things running. I'll drop a marker. And is that okay? Yeah, yeah. that's okay. Okay, Sounds sorry good. about that. I We're out of beer. I, got, I started setting stuff up. And we are out of beer. I have to pee. What should we do about uh, that? I could make you guys a whiskey coke. Mm. Whiskey Coke. I could have a cocktail. Okay, mm, whiskey, whiskey Coke and cocaine. And, and okay, yeah. yeah, you guys just talk. Uh, let's let's do what's it all about. What's it all about? What's it all about, Brady? Oh, uh, me? Am I going first? You're going first. All right, I had Thanks to make well. notes of this because, uh, kind of like uh, what? What's another? Kind of like Ratatouille to me. This is a film that gets a lot of power from the fact that it's a lo- about a lot of things, uh-huh. and it does all of them well. So I had to jot them down to make sure I remember them. What's it all about? It's about, uh, well, crucially, as I mentioned to you guys, in the year that March of the Fucking Penguins won the Oscar yep. documentary, 
Uh, it's about the danger of anthropomorphizing animals, of seeing nature in these human terms rather than seeing it for what it truly is. It is also, uh, oh, excuse me, excuse me, excuse me. Uh, it's about what separates man from the wild and yet also what's kind of wild and raging within the human id. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's a very interesting portrait of that, of, of the external wild and the internal wild of man. It's an examination of both the giddy joys and the very, very real dangers of obsession when it's unchecked. It is a viscerally honest but also soulfully generous glimpse at madness uh, from cinema's greatest professor on the subject of madness. Look at you with them poetic words. No, yeah, it, this is maybe the best, most it's like, like as a, I can't name a better portrait of like a person slipping slowly into madness than this. Yeah. Uh, it's uh, a duet, a great duet uh, between two people who never met each other about the fundamental nature of nature, uh, man, and also the universe. And finally, it's a it's a touching. Uh, uh, it's a touching salute from one artist to another. And so in that way, it gets to be absolutely honest and visceral about confronting something as, as terrible as a violent death, yet still gets to be soulful and moving because where Herzog finds common ground isn't in respecting, well, he respects, but not in agreeing with Tw Treadwell's mindset, but he can reach across the aisle as one artist to another and see a person like mm -hmm. himself reaching, trying to grapple with huge issues and say, well, I can get with you on that level. And so it's, it's uh, yeah, I can't name a film that better skirts the line between just absolutely morbid and yet life-affirming. Mm -hmm. And just a triple, quadruple reset for people just joining us. This is Carnivore's Couch. We're doing it on Werner Herzog's Grizzly Man. If you've just joined us and you like it, uh, go ahead and share it so other people can listen too. And Tess, what did you think this movie was all about? Oh, gosh. Um, it's about Tim Treadwell. And his um, tragic, tragic death. Uh, it's it's about man and nature and uh, just a, a conversation between how how much we should be willing to like live within nature and accept that, and also you know, respecting it to the point of being standoffish towards it and going, ah, oh, there's a human world and there's an animal world and we shouldn't, you know, cross this border. And I think Herzog even uh, mentions that he crosses over an invisible border at yeah, some point. Yeah, he does. Um, it's, it's that, about 40 minutes you know, in. They, and there, there's an interview with uh, someone that works at one of the, the museums there. And, you know, he's talking a lot about, uh, I think, Inuit culture or something. I'm yeah. not really sure. Yeah, just the, um, yeah. the way Alaskan that, natives. That, that, yeah, that Alaskan natives, uh, you know, respected the bear. And that he is disrespecting the bear. <laughs> by by getting so close and by trying to to act like he is a part of that bear world <laughs> um to you know not have a better way to put it but it, it's a lot about man and nature and you know where we draw the line between being human and an animal and that kind of thing and i sound like i'm talking out of my ass right now and i'm trying not to do that no but, your ass sounds um good. <laughs> yeah my ass my ass sounds great uh, it's not too bad to look at you know, either. And I have I have some other points I want to make, but what what are your <laughs> other top what are your other little topic points? 
Well, oh, I mean, yeah. I have a what's it all about, yeah, even Robert though I'm one. not. But I mean, do no, you but like, there's other stuff I want to say, but I'm not sure if I should say it now or if I should wait for another segment. Uh, well, there is no other segment. This okay, is what's okay, it all okay, about. Okay. This is a segment where so, we say all well the what's it all about. Well, then let me let me then go into this here. Um, uh, I just wanted to make a few like points about some things I thought were really interesting filmmaking and. Uh, in a way that is what it's about is, you know, making this uh, really incredibly crafted documentary out of found footage and interview footage. And one of the early interviews that you see uh, is the pilot that was a friend of, of Tim Treadwell's that brought him in and, and also, you know, discovered that he had been eaten by a bear. Uh, and one of the first things he said, well, I need a pen to write this down so I don't forget. And uh, that first interview of the pilot, he's being interviewed largely in a flurry of flies. Like, and I thought that was a really weird thing to like. He's keep going in. to the site where all the desiccated right. flesh is. Exactly. And, yeah. Exactly. Well, it's not there so, anymore. Though. Um, it's so, so rib this was is there. Long, this is long gone. Like this, this. It, the ribs were still there. No, they weren't. The bear rib was. Uh, yeah. At one point in time, he went like, "This is what's left of the bear. Other bears have come and torn this all up and taken it away, and blah blah blah." But like, he showed us the ribs that were still on the ground. No. It's still a, a while after the accident. Oh yeah, no, it's a very long time afterwards. He's talking about them. I don't remember them showing them. He picks up uh, a discarded bear rib because the bear, oh. other bears, ate the bear. Right, but um, bear so this is, but bear. this is this is a while it's after. Very bear world. Must be in very bear. This is a while after Tim Treadwell actually died, um, and he's being interviewed in this flurry of flies, and I thought that was such an interesting choice to like keep that in and it's almost distracting but it's like so evocative of death yeah and also later when they showed tim treadwell going to that spot before he dies there's the there's flurry the of flies, flies again right the flurry well, yeah, of flies. i don't know if you guys saw this but like at that point you know he takes a pause from from one of his increasingly megalomaniacal rants about how you know i'm the only one who can do this i've done it and in that pause it just says on the screen site of his death directly behind yeah and, and at that point, he refers to it as, like, this is my land. And so, like, yeah, the film does a great job of evoking death. And there are flies in that scene, yeah, too. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then here, uh, so then then one of the, what, what else did I write down here? Um, oh, I thought that uh, in terms of what we were talking about earlier of how things seem so staged, one of the weird moments for me was when the coroner apologizes to the ex-girlfriend, the friend. Oh, yeah, Jewel. Uh, apologizes to Jewel because the watch is still in an evidence bag, and he makes this big theatrical show of pulling the watch out of the evidence bag. I apologize and that, felt that the watch so is still in an evidence bag. so very staged to me, and I, like, I believe bag. that the watch was in an evidence bag, but for all I know, Werner Herzog put it back Put it in back one. in the fucking bag, like, yeah. I have no idea that that didn't happen because it's, it's, such, it's such a show. Like, it's such a big deal that it's still in the evidence bag. And she's about on the verge of tears because he's pulling it out of this bag. And I don't know, that was, that was a really interesting moment for me. The other, the other thing I wanted to talk about is Tim Treadwell's character... Uh, immediately comes at us as someone who is so optimistic and so just like, you know, the way that he talks to the animals where he's like, yeah, you're a good bear. You're a really good, like the way that, I Brady, love you. I the, love that you. Brady and I talk to our puppies. Like, and, and the way that, uh, what's Bra Grandy's friend that comes over and talks to Kenobi 
in a way that I'm like, have you met Kenobi? He's a little asshole. Like, why are you going, hey, hey there, sweetie. Hi, sweetheart. And it's like, oh, God, you're talking to Kenobi that way? Do you, have you met him? <laughs> like, and I just think it's yeah, like, Kenobi's so, a little like, there's like sometimes. this, this sweet innocentness Aww. about the way well, that, sometimes. that he talks and that the way that he talks about nature and one of those things that comes off right off the bat is the way that he uses cursing. Um, in the very first scene that opens up, he says friggin at one point, and it's just like friggin and effin. Is yeah, a, a big yeah, thing he of it. uses a lot, and and uh, the way that it's put, that it's stitched together, you get this impression from oh. the, uh, and I don't know if it's him. I believe that they are building a character that is so optimistic that swearing is used very, very rarely, and, it, and it only in moments where he is absolutely, completely enraged. Yeah, I know, and that's like um, another. Sorry, just to like. Yeah, kind please, of, please. That's another example of how, in terms of its form, this documentary is so great to me about taking on the form of kind of a swirling eddy mm -hmm. that eventually takes us, you know, from a safer place to maybe, okay, this is a little weird, to madness and eventually death. And part of that, as you say, is he's got this sweet demeanor and he plays yeah. this kind of kind, very nice, uh, <laughs> possibly gay uh, kind of archetype. And yet, as That's we get later in the, in the movie, he has, that that, he has that absolutely, like, must be a hundred fucks just thrown out. Like, he has the, well, most, I wanna actually, the mother I wanna, of angry before you, before you get into that, I want to talk about that, because that's part of my thesis here. Is that, um, so he's, you know, he's saying words like friggin' and things like that. And then, then you get this moment where the fox steals his hat. And it's, it's absurd how much he's swearing. Like, he's just like cursing this fox out like going oh you fucking you stole my fucking hat that that hat's so important god damn it you know and he's yelling at this fox and it like uh, like then you're like oh he must be really angry because he never swears and then there's another scene and like why he's so angry about that hat i don't know i would like to maybe have a conversation about what that scene means to you guys because that is such a strange moment is that he's actually viscerally if we believe that he only swears when he's that angry he was really angry at that fox for stealing his hat like so that seems yeah, like a really real real moment from from tim treadwell being angry at nature um then uh then there's this point where he very sing-songingly goes and we're setting up a shot, and I'm a fucking asshole. And, like, then I kind of went, oh, you know, maybe maybe the swearing thing was just something that Herzog thought would be an interesting way to paint the character, and that he swears all the time, and it's not that big a deal to him. And I, at the moment I thought that, it then becomes clear that he's extremely frustrated because he's on like the fifth or sixth take, twelfth take, hundredth take, doesn't matter. Like that's why he's swearing. And he's, he's starting to swear up a storm because he can't get the shot right. So then it becomes clear that like, no, he actually is really angry. And now he's cursing at himself and he's angry with himself for not getting this shot right. And then... You know, after we have, like, so many shots of, you know, showing him, like, become, 
progressively more upset, and that's when he's, you know, he and he, you do see him occasionally try to like uh, censor himself, where he'll like swear, and then he'll go, oh, but right. but you know, friggin' or effin' or you know, and try and censor himself, and um, then you do get that that last moment where he gets on such an angry tirade. And uh, just the note that I wrote is, the swearing becomes so intense, even Herzog blocks it out. And Herzog is literally muting this angry tirade and speaking over it, because it, is, it just is the impression of being so angry and so laden with curses and offensiveness that even Herzog won't show you it. His rage is incandescent artistic. Yep. So, um, this being... So, you've got lots of things that you'd like to talk about, but, I mean, what do you think the whole of the film is about? Yeah, what's it all about? Let's keep it on track. I feel uh, like track. your, your um, categories are limiting me and my ability to talk about things that I like. Well, We're no, going to get to that. We can always keep going on, on uh, specific things and this and that. Yeah, when we get back, we get into specifics, but, uh, yeah, what's um, it all about? Some, some, well, um... It's about being edgy and different. No, I, I have notes here where he calls himself edgy and different, which I, I don't know if I have anything to say about that other than, like, was he in a boardroom with himself when he thought up that description? Is like, I'm just so edgy. I'm, like, so different. <laughs> what, who calls themselves edgy? What a strange go, go, thing. What a strange thing to call yourself. <laughs> Well, he's trying to craft a character. Let's not forget, he's he wants to actually have a character and maybe be on a TV show even. So yeah. So I mean, in that way, it's very fitting that the movie is so taken with both uh, kind of artifices, personages, and what's beneath them. Mm-hmm. And so that's why I think you have this nicer Treadwell character that he's trying to present. That's how he wants to be seen. And beneath that, there's the uncontrollable. In, inside the human being, there's the wild. Oh, yeah. And then they do make it that the woman that uh, Jewel, 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 Jewel makes mention of. And I'm not sure how much I believe her version of this because it's almost too crazy to even believe. But that they used to go and watch the uh, the criminals get sentenced. And she would say that, well, she would go because this is crazy and wild and something she wouldn't even think to do, and she was, like, morbidly interested in it. But she felt that Tim Treadwell went so that he could remind himself of what his future would be if he gave in to these baser desires and, like, violent, angry tendencies or right. what have you. <laughs> I believe um, it I, You know, I... I, I I don't. I think that's like a lot to say about someone. That's a I lot think, to infer. I think infer. it's mostly just what like bored people do. Right. Like, it seems like he had probably like self-compulsory sort of. Uh, it'll I'd make better me feel better myself. or it'll make me teach myself. I, I think that's just what bored people do. Right. Yeah, like, hey, we he, can go to this theater where blah, blah, blah. And I, I, I mean, maybe people might get that from that, but I don't think that's what motivates people. We're talking people about a guy who went and lived to go with sit bears. In the right. Like, I mean, he obviously had no, an interest in watching life happen around him. Right. You know, it, it's it's totally something I could see someone doing for the reason the film says. It's kind of like a Smith song. He's like, when we went to the courtroom, yeah. what's the sentencing? Their right. lives are over. What I'm saying yeah, is, like, exactly. is like, that's it what is you like get when you get, 
that's that's what you get out of it after you've gone, but I don't think that's the preconceived notion of why you would go and do something. Like I think that. it's a very mopey, very dramatic person's thing to do. I, I think their reasons are sincere, and that's just the kind of thing they did because they're very theatrical people. Like, uh, right. let's go watch people's lives get ruined. Right. I just don't think that they're going because yeah. it'll make me not Shoes do things. Bullshit. It's yeah. just that after the fact, they go like, oh, that's a good reminder for not to fuck up. Well, I think she she's only saying that's like the underlying principle what's right. driving him. And what I'm saying is, <laughs> what I'm saying is that's not the reason he decided to go and do that. That's what he got out of it after he had already gone and gone and done it. That was the only distinction that I was making. Okay, I honestly don't know. This is uh, the most depressing kid. I've okay, ever Rob, what's it all about? Okay, what's it all about? This is about uh, what's the name's guy? Uh, Timothy Treadwell. And the guy's name? Herzog. Oh, uh, Werner Herzog. Yeah, Timothy Tedra. Ted, 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 Timothy, Timothy, Ted, 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 did you just say homo? Homosexual, sorry. Is he a closeted gayman? I, I said, is he a closeted homophobe or is he a closeted homo? Apologies homo? But for homo all is of just our short for. Well, homo is just short for homosexual, right? It's not yeah, but it's like term. offensive. It is? You don't call someone a homo. That's ridiculous. Okay, I didn't know it was it's like. It's like calling someone a. Okay, I'm not gonna. Yeah, All right, but let's don't stay do on it. Topic. Don't, don't don't do that. You know what, Tess? You're a homo sapien. Yeah, you're ridiculous. <laughs> don't don't pigeonhole me, man. Rob, I'm no homo. Rob sapien. apologizes um, for oh, using. I wait, I didn't realize that was a derogatory. The term. derogatory okay. terms. So oh, okay. wait, wait, no, no. I, I yeah, do have please, to, please. I do have to know. Homosexual is not a derogatory term, but homo. Is. <laughs> oh, please, let's not. Yeah, you don't call somebody a homo. That's ridiculous. Okay, but homosexual is fine. Well, yeah. Okay. Just, just checking. Okay. Um, good, good. Thanks for checking. Yeah, that seems kind of ridiculous to me. But anyway, going on. Um, uh, what was I talking about? I was talking about, like, Timothy Treadwell. Is he a homophobe? Oh, is he a homophobe or is he a, a homosexual? Sorry for using a shortened version of the word before. Uh, or is he a, a person who just doesn't have a feeling in his life? Or is he an addict who, who doesn't quite know how to deal with life? Is he somebody who's had trauma? Is he had somebody who's had this? Uh, I mean, it's fairly clear, like, through all these little different iterations that they, they put forth towards this guy, that um, he, he doesn't have a place in this world, and he goes and carves himself out a niche in another place. And this other place that he carves himself a niche out in... That's hmm. ending a sentence with two prepositions, <laughs> so it's totally fine. <laughs> that like he carved <laughs> himself a niche out of in, in. there. Um, so at Good any job. rate, he, he goes to this place where no one else would think of doing this. No one else is going to possibly do this thing. And he's the king of it because no one's fucking that crazy. Um, and, and he's like, okay, I'm going to make my own place, and I'm going to make a place where nobody else can come to me and say, uh, yeah, I did that too, buddy. Or, I did that this way, buddy. So, I can't fit here, I can't fit anywhere where everybody else would, would have done it, so I'm going to go create uh, a little niche in a place where nobody would think to do it, because they'll die. 
And, um, you know what? I might die too. But that's fine. I'll at least have died doing something that nobody else would do. So, I mean, this is somebody who craves being an individual and craves just... Being edgy and different. Yeah, they just want to be different. They want to be an individual and they want they, they don't want to compete on the same playing field as everybody else, so they'll go create a different one. But and, and so it's about that sort of just feeling so alone and so lost uh, that you can't possibly do it the way everybody else does it. You just have to go elsewhere. And uh, if you die within it, well, fine, I'll die like an individual. He also has these, like, huge delusions, though. Like, that's one of the things that I wanted to Well, bring I mean, that's the thing that's characteristic that of somebody who feels we, like that, right? Uh, well, the movie's know, a he, dance between his delusion and, and some of the very real ways that he is an interesting yeah, and uh, someone and, that we can you know, yeah, take something is it, from. Is it important that we care about nature and learn about nature and learn about different animals and you know, want to, want to care about them. Like, yeah, that's, that's important. I mean, but on the other hand, like view, right? he, he was like living on, in this crusade that didn't, that he didn't really need to fight. Like these specific bears, they were probably fine. And like, yeah, maybe there's poachers, but what's he going to do if there's a poacher? Right. Well, I mean, there's that thing that Brady said that like Herzog like take, he, goes out of his way to, to like go like, there weren't really poachers at the time. There were people who were kind of interacting with the situation who were maybe possibly nefarious, but they, yeah, they, 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 were, were, they weren't licensed hunters. Yeah, they weren't yeah, non-conservationists. Like it, it made sense they can knock out this much of the population without affecting the ecosystem, and an ecologist was the one who said that, right? It was, no, he was a bear yeah. biologist. He, he just tells it He's like a, a bear, bear biologist. He's a bear ecologist. He's bear a bear biologist. Isn't that the person that you listed He's said? He's a bear biologist. Isn't that the person? <laughs> no, there, there was a Green biologist. Bear, I called him like I see him. biologist. Yeah, bear biologist. He calls him like he sees him. No, it's true. He does. Um, no, there was there were ecologists, which were friends of Tim Treadwell, that got a lot of hate mail. Then there was the bear biologist who, you know, straight dope just goes, look, there's 35,000 bears. You can kill 6% of these bears without affecting their population really at all. And we do, it's Alaska. We have licensed hunt, licensed hunt, licensed hunts. And you're allowed to go shoot a certain number of these animals. And like, yes, it, it, it wasn't an entirely like protected area. There was an area where you were allowed to hunt is what it seemed like. But, you know, what was Tim Treadwell really going to do? If he did encounter people that were had a license to hunt some bears, right? Oh, so Rob, so, what's it all about? Uh, that's what I said. It's about a man who. It's about the man. Is a place out of time, and therefore he has to create his own niche because he's unwilling to compete on the same playing field as everybody else because he's crippled or or hurt in some way that he cannot do that. And and with that, I mean, it seems like we have a lot more to talk about, but that's great. I think we should go and do understudy and then come back yeah. and do it because uh, you know we've been running for like an hour and we haven't taken There's so much to we say. About we haven't taken a little movie. splitty split. Okay. Splitty split. Little shitty, little splitty split. Yo, yo, splitty yeah. split. Split. So let's go ahead and do that. Brady, can you grab that stuff off the printer? Being careful not to knock over your your fine fine cocktail that I mixed you. It is fine. Thank and, you. And um, hmm. I'll go ahead and cue Mine up. Mine has the a music. little rose water and it's quite nice. <laughs> We're so sorry if we couldn't get the actors. I don't even know who I'm being. scene from this screenplay, but we've got to You're the third person. I'm the third honest. person. 
I know. You said it, man. Yeah. So you're leather now. I'm a leather? Yeah, you're a leather tramp. That's what they call the ones that hoof it, go on foot. Well, I'm just an old-time country bumpkin, but technically we're all rubber tramps because we have a vehicle. You don't have to push me away. Come on, please. Yeah. Alex could have a vehicle as well, but he decided to burn all of his money. And why did you do that? I don't need money. Makes people cautious. Come on, Alex. You've got to be a little cautious. I mean, that book of yours is cool and everything, but you can't depend entirely on leaves and berries. I don't know if you want to depend on much more than that. Where are your mom and dad? Living their lives somewhere. You look like a loved kid. Be fair. Fair? You know what I mean. I'll paraphrase Thoreau here. Rather than love, then money, then faith, then fame. Give me, then fairness. Give me truth. Do your parents know where you are? Yes, <laughs> I have no idea what that was from. And that was the worst Jane Goodall impression. <laughs> you can cut that out! People are watching live! You can't no one's cut watching us! You can't, you can't just say it, Tess. And I'm, I'm sorry! Edit, I don't edit these things anymore. You gotta you got play the game I'm like I'm sorry! I was doing someone else. Play the game, voice. baby. Okay, yes. so we're back, we're back. Uh, all right, let's just dive in. Here's something I'm going to say to the film's credit. I'm going to try to be a film student, even though I've never been a film student, so I'm probably going to do a crap job of this. Uh, you'll do but a better job than me, and I was a film student for five years. <laughs> nice job, Rob. <laughs> all right, so one thing that I hear often about what makes a film great, something to aspire to that uh, most of the greats did, you know, Hitchcock, Kubrick, all those guys knew how to make films that were intellectually stimulating. They very clearly had a point of view, something cohesive to say. But the real trick, the cherry on top, is to thread visuals in that actually speak verbally, that make the visual verbal and vice versa. So the real masterpieces find a way to have their visual language support their cohesive point. This film, I say, does that. And one interesting thing is Tess was talking about kind of this delusion dance we do with him of, is he a hero crusader? Is he a crazy person who deserved what he got? And we mm -hmm. hear lots of viewpoints, and you know, Herzog is kind of trying to engage with this to find out. I'm going to say the second one. 
<laughs> well, it's both. a little bit of both. No, yeah. what he did, what he did was undoubtedly crazy, but there, there is a vulnerable soul underlying what happened. And so, one of the things I really like is on a couple of occasions, visually, uh, Herzog lets this kind of more poetic reverie envelop Treadwell. We're like, oh, that's very nice, like nature and everything, and the score swells, and all of a sudden he'll just puncture it with very startling moments of kind of violence. The first comes where we're just hearing this banjo score and he's you know talking to this cute little bear and then all of a sudden the bear is just like in the camera and the music stops and it's like go back go back and, and another happens i think where we're just looking at this serene shot of bears in a river and all of a sudden without uh, on a dime one of the bears goes and attacks another bear and at that point we get to see like oh my god these animals have tremendous power this isn't something mm -hmm. to just be reverential and poetic about. This is something very real, very dangerous. And so that's good because of the film, I think, in visual terms, finds a way to make the madness not only uh, poetic through Herzog's spoken narration, but through its actual visuals. Yep. You know, when I was watching the film, though, I kept viewing the bears mostly as, like, most Sislak, going like, yeah, I'll get you later. Yeah, like... I did not see the bears as really like obeying him. They were just like, "No, of I'm, course not." I'm they too weren't. tired They're right bears. now to fucking eat you. No, and, and like, but <laughs> like, I, I feel like. But the, one of these days, uh, just uh, I feel one like of the these days, it'll be that, like, bam! Your like, head goes straight to the moon, and your ribs are in my. And tummy. maybe I'm like being, you know, a little bit yes. too optimistic here because I am, you know, I am a person that empathizes with animals, and you know, maybe I do that too much, um, but. I, I do think that there's some of what you're saying coupled with a lot of what Tim Treadwell feels, which is that no, they're not they're not as dangerous as you'd think if you were like, you know, there with them all the time and they knew you. And yes, they're 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 not like we saw a bear. Grady and I saw a bear in Yosemite. Um, and we were about nine yards from it, and it was, it wasn't even a grizzly, like, they don't have them there, it was a brown bear. Or a black bear. Black bear, black bear, it was a black bear. Black but, bear, brown um, bear, brown bear, black bear. Whatever. Um, call and the whole like, thing off. you know, we called the whole thing off. Um, so, and, you know, we were, we were just like, let's get the hell out of here, like, it was amazing, it was like, beautiful nature we saw a bear it was amazing two adorable cubs but two adorable cubs with the mama like looking for roots and berries and shit and we were like let's look let's get the fuck out of here because they can run at 45 miles an hour and they will maul you well, yeah because they don't have to get up to like, 45 miles like, an hour they don't just start off they at don't 40. just but please the, the they, woman you know, oh sorry anyway um so like you know there, there's this respect of nature that, you know, I think that you should have a healthy respect of nature, but then I also think they're not so vicious that they will just charge at you or they'll just kill you or that they're looking at you thinking that you look tasty. Like, I don't think that that's, that's necessarily what is in the bear's mindset. Like, a human isn't food for a bear necessarily. And I think they were willing to put up with him and, like, tolerate him until it became to a point where they were starving. Yeah, and that was, I mean... Meanwhile, in the midst of all that, the dog just ran in and went like, I'm nature, hi! And then, like, ran off after Ted finished talking. So wild. So, no, here's what I think. Uh, I think... Uh, it is a dance between these kind of twin poles of empathy and disdain. 
if I'm being honest, the the place we probably arrive at, uh, and it's it's kind of a Rorschach test for anyone watching. You know, mm. I wouldn't uh, assume to dictate how you should feel, but it's probably closer to what Rob's saying. Uh, those moments, and that's why, Rob, what you're seeing is not a bad thing. The response you're having is the natural response. When we're seeing, uh, you know, I'll just to call back a very beautiful image, when we're seeing him actually wading into a lake where a bear is swimming trying to find food, it, which I thought was very cool. It's almost like this Garden of Eden moment of just like the fall, just mm -hmm. like this, this terrible, terrible thing to do. The thing we should feel is outright disdain. It's a beautiful shot, and Treadwell gets... Uh, obviously since it's his footage, gets to couch his narrative in his terms so we understand him. But the, re the natural response is to be furious. He's an infuriating person who we do get to have empathy for. I'm not sure that I'm infuriated by him and in, in what he's doing. I'm a little upset about the fact that he feels he's on a crusade that he's not on. Yeah, I mean, remember but, with the dead fox where he right. even says to the flies, like, Get, get out of his eye. Away. Don't this do it when like, I'm around. Right. He dictates is, nature. Yeah. He's telling I'm them sorry, that it's disrespectful. I think that nature yeah, but the way he puts it... He's telling the, the flies that they're being disrespectful. But Yeah, but the way he puts it is, don't do it when I'm around. Like, right. he, he tries to command nature. Right. Yeah, no, he doesn't, he doesn't fit yeah, in no, human that, society, and, and he doesn't fit in natural society, and he's putting himself in a place where he doesn't belong and saying, like... Well, no one else would actually do this, so I'm, I'm, look, I'm the best at this. I'm the gatekeeper. I, and the yeah, keeper I'm of the awesome keys. at this, and and I mean, like it, yeah, it is kind of infuriating <laughs> and that annoying. part's infuriating. Like uh, his his desire to like you know sort of empathize with the animals. Like I get that. Like yeah, they're not they're not necessarily murderous beasts. It's like you say that about like no. pit bulls or something. Like. It's not really true. No, but it's they're just, raised in an environment but, where you have to you know, kill other of them. Right, uh, but but to yeah. be so uh, optimistic about the natural world that when something dies and flies eat it, to not go, this is this is the way that things are, and this is how death works, yeah, absolutely. and this is how the chain of life works. Like that is a little infuriating, but I'm not like infuriated at him. I mean, yeah, it's it's serious hubris, and uh, honestly, it it goes beyond like maybe some very willful optimism. The, the a lot of what Treadwell espouses and the way he treats nature is in flagrant disregard of how nature actually works, which yeah. is which is why like. This is a perfect time to say another perfect thing about the movie, which I sort of covered in What's It All About, is this is such a sweet, perfectly matched duet. Mm -hmm. Like, I'll just quote Roger Ebert. Uh, the last line of his review of this movie is, Timothy Treadwell deserves Werner Herzog. Yep. Like, that, those two if, should have a conversation. Because, like, somewhere between them, even though I you know, I did. actually love everything Herzog says, <laughs> but I don't, I don't, well... Yeah, he raises a good point about the whole murder thing being in the nature of the universe. Mm -hmm. I'd really like to actually see Herzog and Kubrick talk if that was possible. Yikes. They'd have a lot to agree on. I would love to talk with Werner Herzog. And well, if that's we, like, that's if like Truffaut this, and Hitchcock talking. We did talk. With you and my brother happen, we might actually meet Werner Herzog because I believe uh. that's something that he wants a piece of. Yeah, he's cool. He, he ate a shoe. He ate a shoe, and he was on an episode of Boondocks Wait. as himself. Are we talking about Tom Green? Her Werner Herzog. Oh, okay. He lost a bet, this like, is the most oh, if this movie. fucking kid <laughs> yeah. I've ever fucking. <laughs> no, like some friend of his is like, if your movie like actually gets made and does well, I'll eat my shoe, mm -hmm. and it did. So he got on a stage, and he ate it with a knife and fork. 
Am I wrong about thinking that somebody, like he shot someone, one of his friends, or his friend shot him, or something like that? Uh, Klaus Kinski, his kind of muse, and they like really raged at and hated each other, but they're also friends. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I believe it was uh, Kinski shot at Werner Herzog. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, Kinski was uh, Herzog's actor on, on a lot of his best projects. Uh, Aguirre, The Wrath of God, masterful film about uh, looking for El Dorado, which also kind of looks at, at a person who is just hell-bent on destruction. Why? Because she did, but silently. <laughs> she farted like, off a bridge? We've been giggling about it. While you were talking, we were paying attention to a word you said. No, I was listening. We were just but giggling about just farts. Farting is funny. All right. Well, when you're done giggling about farts, go farts. Uh, go watch Aguirre. They come out of your ass and they smell bad and make <laughs> noise. Aguirre, the wrath of God. Did you see Darcy post about how she heard her neighbor fart? And I was like, from where? And she goes, the butt. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, what? Like through the walls? Was he next door or was he in your room? And she goes, that's where farts come from. <laughs> <laughs> I love Darcy. Darcy, we're going to give a shout out to you at the end of this when we're wrapping. Yeah. Uh, uh, what else do we have to say about this? Um, I mean, I'm good, but you guys go. Um, I mean, like, other than that, we're pretty much done. You got ribbity rabbity. Well, Hibbity habbity. I mean, how about like. Sibbity zabbity. <laughs> Mibbity mabbity. Oh, Jesus, peace. <laughs> what, what else can I say? I, I really love. Uh, I love that Herzog threads the whole filmmaker to filmmaker thing through this. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he's, and it, he's you in really love do get that. a lot of beautiful shots throughout this movie. Uh, you know, like the, the fox is chasing him. Oh man, every single moment with the foxes, and like that's just me because I love foxes. Like, I think they're like little puppy dogs, which is maybe what Tim Treadwell thinks <laughs> also. And they, they are like, they also want to steal your chickens and stuff, and like, I'm sure that's what they want to do. It's a misconceived but idea, but less deadly, probably. Like, yeah, no, like, I would, I would so be prepared to live with foxes. But so I would not foxes, live with bears. I, I, I have the feeling that foxes are actually vicious, scary, small raccoons. No, they're not. They're little doggy pantses. They're but like they are cat. wild. They're a cat and a dog mixed together into a chicken-stealing little buddy. Yeah, like a raccoon. Well, I that's, love them. That's the thing. It's almost like there's almost like this. Uh, it's both like soulful and sinister to me because like those fox shots are really sweet, but they're like a cuddlier, safer encapsulation of the entire mindset that exactly. got him killed and yeah th the shot that actually one of my favorite shots just like for some reason that's just like tugs my heartstrings every time like makes me feel what this movie i think in the grand scale makes me feel which is both like oh such a bad idea i'm like oh you mean so well and like yeah that makes me really sad and it's when he's giving like an interview with the fox mm -hmm. and then we cut away to a lot of like other shots and it's just him saying, like, and we look out for things. And you get this beautiful shot of the mm -hmm. fox walking silhouetted and sun-dappled yeah. through a river. Just like, ah, oh, misconceived idea, but, like, so sweet. And this yeah. little fox. And he oh. thinks the fox is there to help him watch the bears. Like, and, and, and what's interesting to me, too, is that, uh, 
you get this separate entity with the foxes and you see no pretty much no other animals that he's interacting with other than the there's grizzlies which are the main thing that he's there for and then you get these occasional moments where he is interacting also with foxes and that there aren't other animals in this mix is um I, I don't really know what to make of that. It's like it's not it's it's Grizzly Man is the movie and then also there's these moments with these foxes where he's like, I love you too. Like you're you're also a great animal and you're right. my grizzly little dog man friend. and foxy woman. Yeah, you're my little dog friend and I'm gonna pet like he's actually petting the foxes and the foxes let him because they're kind of dog like animals anyway and you know, I imagine that yes. you know, they're not really gonna hurt you. They're they're pretty wily, but they'd probably let you pet them like he did. Right. Um, if they knew you. And I'm not saying go keep a fox as a pet, but they're much better pets than bears. Anyway, so, uh, <laughs> um, what I find weird about that is that there's not more animals. You see, you do see him. Well, actually, you do see him interact with the, the, the bee that has, uh, I believe, collected too much pollen, too much nectar or whatever to like be able to fly back because that does happen to bees. Like, they'll get dehydrated and they'll take too much pollen and then they won't be able to fly off. And he thinks the bee is dead and he goes, oh, this poor little bee, like, just died on this flower doing what he does and, like, you know, freaks out about it. And, like, so I guess maybe you have that one other moment of him just, like, loving nature to the extreme. But the only moment But at the same time, misunderstanding it. But at the same time, yes, exactly. He does misunderstand it. And the the bee is not dead. The bee is alive. It just that if you feed them a little bit of sugar water, if you see that if you see a bee that can't move, feed it a little bit of sugar water, and it will be okay. It's probably just dehydrated and carrying too much pollen. You know, it's it's uh, <laughs> if, if there's anything else it's about that we haven't said already, I I think it's very much about uh, hubris. The the, the human need for narrative, mm-hmm. uh, you know, presented by someone who loves narrative and yet is now approaching it from the standpoint of, well, maybe there are times when narrative, you know, as beautiful as it can be, doesn't really fit. Yep. Like our need to think of things in such clean terms, poetic terms, it, maybe that might not be the way of things. Mm-hmm. So uh, what are we doing next week? Grizzly man. <laughs> <laughs> Um, hmm. Uh. I would like to do um, uh, another documentary and see if I feel differently about documentaries. Maybe uh, Going Clear? Uh, what's that about? Uh, Scientology. Yikes. Oh, that's the new one this year. Yeah, it's, it's from this year. Uh, there's Going Clear. What was another documentary I was thinking about watching? Oh, 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 I would also like to possibly do Boogie Nights. I love that movie. I still haven't seen that. Uh, do you want to throw out a couple oh, suggestions um, if you got there's any? There's one that Brady hasn't seen that you should. What is the one I'm always talking the about that you haven't seen? No, no, no. Um, there's a movie you haven't seen that you should. Well, while you're think thinking of it, it, Brady, can you throw out one for next week? Oh, uh, okay. So you threw out a doc. Maybe I'll throw out a doc. Oh, doc, doc. Uh, I will throw out the documentary uh, Gates of Heaven. Ooh, what about a Hodorowski's Dune? Oh. Yeah, I was thinking That's that, too. too. Hodorowski's Dune. That that would be a really good one. Yeah, do you want to do Dune? Um, it's pretty fun. I would really like to do Boogie Wait Nights until dark. I've never seen it. Wait until dark. What's that? 
It's it's an Audrey Hepburn. No, like wait until dark. No, no, it's an Audrey Hepburn film based on a play. Brady's never seen it. It's incredible. Uh, wait until dark is my suggestion because Brady's never seen it, and you guys would both look have at you, this. Have you never seen it either, Rob? Wait, everyone. I very possibly may have, but if I did, it wait, was quite a while ago. wait until dark. All wait of until a sudden, dark. wait until dark. The cover came off the couch. Sometimes moments of beauty that you never expected are captured on the podcast. Wait until dark. Yeah, Everyone's talking over each other. Scope, we yeah. got wait until dark. Okay. Okay. We got wait until dark. We got uh, boogie nights. We got uh, Hodorowski's Sco- Dune. We got uh, Gates of Heaven. Uh, Gates of Heaven. Heaven, and we've got uh, going clear. Uh, does anybody care to cast a vote for any one of those? Wait until dark. Um, Brady, you've never seen it. I've been talking to you about boogie it nights. for a long time. Because I've never seen it. Wait until dark or boogie nights. I really do need to see Boogie Nights. You it's need like to see Wait Until Dark, You haven't dark seen Boogie too. Nights either? No. You need to see we Wait Until Dark. We should just fucking do Boogie Nights. Wait Until Dark. Um, I mean, honestly, I do really need to see Boogie Nights, honey. I need to see Wait Until Dark, but neither of you uh, have seen it, what? so he's yeah. not No, just you establish a precedent. Or, or, by the way, what's something that all the listeners can do and that you can do, Tess, and everybody can do, is you can just go on the website and click on the Suggest a Movie to Watch for the Podcast button, and it'll get into our queue. Also, on there Maybe we have... I will also on there we have warrior's way or whatever like just the way i was sitting i didn't feel like pulling those up but warrior's way is on there and uh i think the baxter was on there but we did that uh so it needs to be removed Um, and if i had my phone in my pocket i would be pulling that up but i don't so i'm I'm sorry anybody who has actually submitted something on the list uh i just haven't had time to fucking look at it so um uh, Tess says, wait until dark. Brady says, we don't know yet. And I said, boogie nights. What's your vote, Brady? Uh, You're the deciding factor here. Or you could tie it all up and we'd have to vote all over again with new movies. <laughs> oh, I could. Fine. Gates of Heaven. Let's see what happens. Uh, I'm going to say boogie nights. Okay, that's what I said. <laughs> <laughs> and Tess, what do you say? What is this scene from? No, no, I'm just making an executive decision. We can't say on the air. I'll oh, tell you in a minute. That's see- yeah, we can't say on because everybody needs to go to Twitter and guess who we're interpreting, blah, blah, blah. Every so last anyway. one of you. You um, and you and you. So, that, that's been Carnivorous Couch. Uh, Wait, no, we, no, it hasn't. We haven't decided yet. Yeah, we did. Boogie Nights. Oh, did we? Okay. I mean, I, I just made an executive just decision. Oh, okay. Boogie Nights. Hey, you know what? Last week, I just gave you uh, fucking uh, Grizzly Man. Remember? Yeah, no, I do owe Rob this. Boogie Nights. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, um, what's... Uh, I need you to shout out Darcy's full name. Darcy Bertrand or something like that. When I go three, two, when you go three, two, one, that, and I'll put Wait, okay, who's going to do the three? You do it. Wait, I said I do three. Three, two, one, three, two, one Darcy Bertrand theme song! Carnivorous <laughs> couch, shit happens once a week. It swallows us for two hours when we try to sleep. It forces us to watch a film about which we didn't speak. Carnivorous cow With Brady and Rob No, and like, but I I feel like maybe I'm like being, you know, a little bit too optimistic here. Of course not. I'm too tired right now to fucking eat you.